try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. Protonic reversal with your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Gigantic middle finger to everything that is rocking about music, rock and roll, and cover power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with shot and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's the real world. I choose to go my life to. That's okay. It means something. It means something. My take with what's yours? Protonic reversal. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, it is. Indeed, it is. It's a science thing. It is a science place. As a scientific fact, we are all up in your face. It is time once more for the one, the only protonic reversal. Holy moly! What a great show uh, today. Uh, jam freaking packed. So jam packed. I'm gonna just skip a large portion of the preamble here uh we got buzz osborne king buzzo the melvins and we have billy gould uh faith no more and holy moly i'm uh, really excited to uh, talk to both of them and it's going to be a heck of a good time so without further ado let's hear uh, let's hear from the king buzzo with trevor dunn ep we'll do six pack and then we'll uh, be right back with buzz osborne one two one two three Don't 
we're speaking with none other than Mr. Buzz Osborne. Buzz, how are you doing, man? Great. Live from the quarantine zone. I was going to say, how's, how's quarantine life, L-Y-F-E, treating you? Not a whole lot different than normal life, actually. Is there a, is there a lot of COVID panic care. in Los Angeles right now? Uh, yeah, I think it's probably as much as anywhere else. I just wish they'd just lock it down and get it over with. Yeah, it's sort of like this, this lockdown in stages is kind of like a weird move. Like, all right, everybody's going to buy all the toilet paper because that's a thing that everyone's going to do. Then, yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they're expecting to uh, do a lot of pooping. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you know? in, these, in these strange times, uh, you have a new album that you just did with uh and you have trevor dunn on this one this is like an acoustic record just like the other one yeah. but it's not like the other one because it's a duo yeah you've heard have you heard it you've heard it i heard yeah i heard a couple songs off it. i really well first of all i feel that six pack has maybe the coolest intro baseline in the history of music the black flag oh, you song? Heard six pack yeah maybe the coolest baseline in the history of music as far as the intro yeah, yeah, yeah. uh yeah, so yeah. i was very excited to hear that and hear your arrangement of it of which is and I say this as a Black Flag song is a pretty much a very ridiculous song, but I thought you uh, handled with a plum and vigor. Uh, what led you oh, to yeah, yeah. to being to that being like one of the songs that you included on the record? That is not on the album. It's just available on the uh, EP. Oh, is this the EP? Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right. Yeah, there's a there's a um, six song EP that's coming out that has two songs on the album, and then the rest of the stuff, including six pack, is not on that record. So four songs that aren't on the record including Six Pack and two that are on the record. It's not dissimilar to the way we do stuff with Hazemeyer. Right. hyper limited thing and then um, it'll be has to tease a couple songs off the record as a setup. I mean, you know, I mean that's kind of how, you know, people always did that kind of thing. It's like they'll do a so, you know, a single of the record that's on the record blah blah blah, you know, before the record comes out. Right. And similar. this is the ones similar that idea. Tom does a friend of the show and he does these limited edition kind of lino cuts that really cool like really cool art pieces that yeah. just on their own are really awesome they're amazing i mean it's a it's kind of a the the way that this sort of thing works with him is is we uh you provide the music he provides the art and then they're always silk screened and really cool and you know all that kind of thing so and it provides something where and we've talked about this a lot on the show not just with tom but with, with almost everyone that if you're providing a physical product to the world to be able to give some somebody something unique and interesting that isn't just like a mass-produced thing. Something that like literally is touched by the hands of humans is kind of like a special and cool thing to make it worth everybody's while. That's the way we look at it, you know. And I always it always irritates me. I go, people charge your arm and leg. It's like, okay, you know, you you, you don't get quality stuff for nothing. <laughs> and it takes effort. It, it's it's not like, it's not like you're just throwing in the machine and pushing the button. Like there's it's it's no. I mean, you want you want cheap crap. Go buy cheap crap. There's plenty of it. You know, if you can't if you can't if you think this is so expensive and you can't afford it, then my suggestion is I really seriously doubt you should buy it. It's not for you, and that's okay. No, you probably have some kind of financial difficulties that go well beyond buying records. So, you know, if you can't afford it, don't buy it. Those who will want it. And the music you'll be able to hear no matter what. Yeah, I have you not can hear heard it. one person ever say, those records are so expensive, it made it to where I couldn't hear the music. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that's no. the one universal truth is if you want to actually hear the music, you can. Just pick your format. You it's there. Hear. It's all there. It's, Listen to it. It's out there. Someone will have it on YouTube inside of five minutes without me doing a thing. I don't have to do a thing. There it is. <laughs> it's a system it's working. There. So whatever. That's just, that's just the world we live in. So, you know, you got the, 
it's, it's the first time in history, just in the last you know decade or so, where people can uh, actually hear stuff without ever buying it. Which you know, it's, it's it's for better or worse. It's like there it is, but people will still find something to complain about, no matter what. Oh yeah, that's there's there's you an know? unending repository of complaint within the human psyche. I think it's a big thing. I want it cheaper. <laughs> you know? Me, me, me. Yeah, yeah, well, we're not McDonald's. So, yeah. Well, and nobody's forcing anyone to buy like a limited edition thing. That's, my, that's my whole point. <laughs> Don't buy it. You know, <laughs> I, I think it's it, if nobody can afford it. I mean, we might be running into some rough economic times coming up. Maybe there will be a lot less people that can afford that sort of thing. It's understandable. You know, but uh, everybody's going to have to go through that. Not just with uh, records, but with every every everything. So, you know, we're living through weird times. It's odd. I don't quite get it. But uh, uh, I've never really understood. I mean, that aside, I've never understood, you know, the complaining nature of people anyway. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine doing that. It's like, you know, I'm going to get online and talk about what I think is wrong with uh, these people putting <laughs> these mu- this music out. It's music, motherfucker. It's music. <laughs> <laughs> I read some studies some not years back. Not overly important, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, In the I, grand scheme of things, it's not. We're not talking about anything that's overly important. We're talking about art, and art is separate. It's separate and special, extra thing in your life. <laughs> you know, once you've got everything else in a line, you can afford to do this art thing. That's that's great. I think it's great, but you know, let's not bitch about it. Come on, I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> I, I read an article a couple years back that said that people get a like a dopamine response from complaining. Uh, certain certain pe- people in certain parties, like a certain type of personality type, that like literally they get like a high from complaining well, about doubt something. Doubt it. I mean, well, you know, Ted Bundy used to get off on raping dead chicks. So. <laughs> a bit of an extreme, I don't know how, I don't but, know how yeah. the human mind works. <laughs> There's a lot of weird theories out there. So, what's right now uh, as we talk? Uh, are the are the tour dates still on? Are these going to be postponed? Do we even know? Uh, well, you know, to me, my tour doesn't start till May 13th. Yeah, it seems like there's enough of a window that if we have our so stuff together, I don't see any reason why I should, you know, <laughs> cancel it until I absolutely have to. I kind of figure it cancellation for me won't be until you know mid-April probably. Yeah, and you know, ideally we'll be in unless, a better position. Yeah, you know, granted, I don't certainly don't know everything, and I'm not a MD, but you know, certainly the the people who run our state here in California are not standing up with the best and brightest physicians from the state talking about what we should be doing. They seem to be doing it all on their own. My, so it's my, more like they're reacting to the panic as opposed yeah. to reacting to what. And I think that's that's. People, you know, politicians react to panic. That's what they do. It's not, it's not not a surprise to me. I don't know what should be done. I'd imagine that their computer models are based on the scenario that, you know, we're everything we're doing right now will make no difference at all. I disagree. If you if you isolate yourself, I heard saw this online. If you isolate yourself and you like let's say you see twenty five people on one day and you cut it down to three, well that lowers yeah. your chances of getting it astronomically. That's called that uh, flattening the curve, I think, if I remember correctly. They're not yeah, they're not taking that into account. Well, and they're pretending like everything we're doing now will make no difference whatsoever. Yeah, That's and it's not true. There's no way they can figure that one into it. Well, I think you know, it, so. I if people don't understand exponential growth. I think is part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, and then also I think they're underestimating the ability for doctors to take care of you know sick patients in the first place. You know, 
and it's, they can do something for you. They're saving people every single day. Right. You know? It's not like everybody that gets it just falls over dead, bleeding from the eyeballs. You know, I mean, that's not happening. So I, know, I, we'll see. I mean, I, you know, I might be wrong about everything. Who knows? I'm no expert, that's for sure. I, I, but I, I tend to think, you know, well, let's think about this. Computer models and stuff like that are really only as good as the people who, or the information you put into them. Right. So there's certainly a room for error there, but anyway. And, and even with social distancing and quarantining, I, my cousin works in D.C., and she was like, oh, yeah, everything's shut down, but basically all the millennials are going out to bars to drink, which is like, oh, well, that just defeated the entire purpose of what you're trying to do with, <laughs> with your workplace. Well, they because, can get sick. Yeah. I'll heed their warnings. They can get sick, and that, that would be better. <laughs> if that's what they want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like you're making the choice. Like, all right, so you just are going to ignore the intent of this order, this change your entire life, and just go ahead. And, like, now they shut down the bars. So, okay, I guess that's not going to be an option anymore. I uh, hope they stocked up on beer. You know? Right, exactly. Yeah. My buddy in England, uh, a friend of mine in England, said that the, in England, the beer sold out in the stores before the food did. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was, was going to say, uh, in Wisconsin here, I, I, you know, oh, yeah. everyone, everyone tr- knew that it was like a real problem when they shut down the bars. Everyone like suddenly oh, yeah, like that yeah. is what caused the panic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I caught people's attention. Yeah, like oh, now it's it's this is a real thing, huh? You're gonna what? You know? <laughs> now we're shutting them down. You've got to be kidding me. What about the methadone clinic? Is that shutting down? Good <laughs> <laughs> Lord knows. Yeah. <laughs> So that's all we need—a bunch of sick junkies running around. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 I'm sure that'll help. That'll help things considerably. Yeah, but I don't know. You know, if my tour gets canceled, I can't see, you know, anything other than um, waiting it out. I mean, I, I, I'm not yeah. going to be able to reschedule things in the fall. That's just ridiculous. I was going to go to Europe in late August, September, and into October, but that's out. That's just there's just nothing. There's just no way that's going to happen. Yeah. No way. And so, I don't know. You know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm just going to. I guess just put the record out, and uh, if I may not even be able to tour it, or I might have to cut my tour to where I drive all the way to the East Coast to start it. Right, start it. Possible. Yeah, yeah. Am I supposed to start May 13th here? And you know, tours usually end up, you play, what you want to do is start with a show that's close to where you're at. That's (laughs) usually how it goes, yeah. (laughs) Drive in a big circle, you know. Around the U.S., it's usually what you you know. That's how you normally plan it, if 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 at all possible. But um, right now, who knows? I don't know what's going to happen. So, no idea. Yeah, it's uh, it seems like a strange time to release in a record, but it it is, you know, it is cool. Like I listened to uh, the other single, the one that's actually on Gifts of Sacrifice as well, and it's it's awesome that. I mean, I think Trevor Dunn is a fantastic collaborator for you on this. Oh, my God. He's, he's great. Because, I mean, he's just a – well, first of all, he's just a musical powerhouse. But Oh, yeah. We've, I've worked with Trevor for a long time, well over 20 years. But it, it gives with, it a uh, different vibe. And, and gives what was that? It, I said that it does give the record a different vibe, of course. And oh, yeah. That's it, the point. Um, yeah. it differentiates it from the other acoustic record, which I actually quite enjoyed. I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Oh, I, thank you. I usually hate those kinds of things, frankly. <laughs> but <laughs> – me too. That's why I did one like that. Uh, you know? But I, how did you guys? How did you guys approach this record? Did you just have all the songs kind of written on acoustic ahead of time, and he just added his stuff? Was it more of like a collaborative process? Like what? What was the process for making this record? There was one song that we worked on together. Um, um, I'm glad I could help out, which will be the next thing that we next 
thing we put out before the record comes out, probably the last thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, where I had a riff, and then we recorded the back the backing track live. Um, and I did a scratch track for the guitar, but we ended up just using it because it was fine, you know. So. Yeah. And then um, um, most of the rest of it I had already recorded. I'd had all the all the music done on it, and then I just uh, um, uh, he just came in, listened to it, and then uh, we you know he did his parts. So I don't think he even you know we have we have our own place. You've been there, yeah, many times. <laughs> yeah, so Wonderful. it's like it's like we don't ha- yeah it's great. I love it. We don't have um uh uh no the clock's not ticking generally when we're there so. That's kind of nice. So um, we can, you know, he can take as long as he wants to do it. But I mean, he spent a few days figuring it out, getting it down, and then, uh, and then we uh, uh, we're gonna originally just do have him play on what would be like a tour EP. Okay, like something just and for the tour. And we just expanded it. I was just like, just try playing on some of these rec- songs, you know, that I already had done. And so he did, and I really dug it. And so we just left it. Like okay, now you're just gonna be part of the record. So, I had all the stuff already done, so it's not like we. Uh, it's a you know, that's why it says King Buzzo with Trevor Dunn because mm-hmm. you know we didn't really. Um, he contributed some a few things that were like uh, instrumentals that he did. Okay. On bass, short instrumentals are really cool, but by and large, it's not really. I already had it. I already had the record pretty much. So. Yeah, it's just it there. it's sort of Trevor provided like the value added aspect. Yeah, cool, just a cool thing. And then I was just like, I'm I'm down for that. And, you know, pretty much an accidentalist in a lot of ways. Cool, hold on. Mm-hmm. If something really cool happens, I'm not going to just sit there and go, no, I can't do that. That deviates from the norm. You know, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's not me. And that's not all. If, I, if something's cool or if I write a song and somebody comes up with some great part that's making the whole thing better, I am not going to be the guy that says no. No. I'm going I'm I'm to be the guy that says yo. You know? When you, uh, yeah, no, when, it's great. I love that kind of thing. I love it when that happens. When an idea that you have is bettered by a, a really good musician, there's really nothing, nothing, nothing bad about that. Well, and there's a lot of evidence of that within the Melvin's uh, catalog as well. Like things like, you know, when you had Jared and Cody, start to play with yeah. you and absorb them into it and it brought this whole other element yeah that not just with them like playing their instruments but the way the vocals fit together and everything the the dual drum everything. stuff great yeah and it, it yeah, definitely seemed that. like you were just you know again taking what was given to you by these collaborators and kind of building on it rather than trying to you know force it into a square peg into a round hole yeah yeah that's not me i don't know I like to let the musicians breathe, let them do their thing. You'll get a much better response out of people. And you'll, you'll also end up with better music if you let these guys kind of own it a little bit. Right. You know? Have you ever found like, that okay, great. when you, have, when you uh, are playing with a new collaborator, musician, member, whatever, that they start off trying to want to kind of appease like what you think they want rather than what they're, what they're actually doing? Well, maybe. Um, you know, I'll have, I'll have a vague description of what I want to do. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, somebody like Steven is not massively familiar. Neither was Kevin Romanis. They were not massively familiar with our catalog. Right. 
And I don't know, I don't even know if they listened to us at all. That that was immaterial to me. I didn't really care about that. Yeah, that doesn't matter for what they're going to be doing for your band. I mean, <laughs> not for me. I didn't. I'm not looking for super fans. I'm looking. For, I, I liked what they did. Right. I really liked Kevin. I really liked Steven. And so you just kind of go. Um, uh, you know, I'm not going to test. Well, what do we do on this record? Well, how familiar are you with it? None of that makes any fucking difference to me. You know. Yeah. yeah. So I don't care if they're fans, and quite frankly, I'm not going to ask them if they like the music. Yeah. Do you like what we're doing? Yeah. That's that's, just, come on, you just ask, and I don't, you know, I have no interest in questions like that. It's really, it's not none of my business if they like it or not. Yeah, you're, are you in a seventh grade art class, or are you making something important? You know. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, I uh, we go into it and we're like, okay, we're going to learn some old songs. A lot of times, they have never even heard those songs. Right. They're certainly not aware of them. I know Kevin wasn't, and I know Steven certainly wasn't. This is, and um, uh, so then we go to learn it live, or for, to play it live, and you have this scenario where they're watching you play it, and then I might show them a vague way of doing it, and they go, well, how is it on the record? A lot of times I'll just go, just don't listen to it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> don't listen to the album. You're just going to ruin it. You know? Well, and I think... I don't, I don't, I'm, not looking, I'm not looking for some automaton yeah. to play what I'm doing. I want you to take it. You know, and then, you know, I guess I learned that lesson from people like Bowie. Absolutely, live, yeah. Live stuff was a lot of times just diametrically opposed to what it sounded like on record. Not always, but he let his musicians do what they want. And it made for... Especially a guy like Adrian Ballou. Adrian yeah, Ballou, Jesus, what are you going to tell him, you know? No, do it like this. It's like yeah, this do it like record. this. <laughs> I know better. No. no, actually you don't. Well, and, and But I've it... been in that situation where I've played with people where they had very specific things that they wanted to do. And so I just kind of sat there going through it and thinking, you know, I could, I could have made this way better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah. you're the maestro and you think you know everything, so I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, usually at that, at that, in that situation, you're just sitting there thinking, okay, uh, how much am I going to get for this? Because it's really not very fulfilling other than on a monetary level. <laughs> <laughs> Beyond that, this is really just a waste of time for me. Yeah. And going back you know. to the like the, the the new members, like you know, playing along and stuff like that. I remember I saw one of the first Stephen McDonald Melvin shows. Uh, it was in San Jose, if I remember right. And yeah, that was one of the first ones. Yeah. And he, I, you guys had "I Flies" in the set, which is like kind of one of your oldest songs, at least stuff. Oh yeah, still first actively album. played, which I thought was like kind of a bold move and also sort of a statement of intent. Was that something where? Uh, that was like a planned move or they're just sort of like, Oh, let's just try this and see how this works. Or how did that come to be a song? Um, you know, it wasn't really a, it wasn't really like, Oh, we're going to do this for some reason other than we thought it would be good to fit in for the set that we were playing that. Right. That tour, whatever. I mean, uh, however that worked. Um, usually with live shows, we want to do roughly a third old material, which is, you know, older than 20 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then a third um, newer material, and then a third like you know middle middle of the road kind of middle mid mid period, whatever that may be. That's usually how we kind of balance it out. I mean, I like when I go see a band play. I like to see um, lots of their songs, you know, yeah. from lots of their eras. 
I don't want to just see, oh, they're just, well, we're only playing, we don't play our old stuff anymore. Well, okay, I can see you retiring some of the songs, but, you know, you actually did write that stuff. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm surprised that you hate it, but if you hate it, that's too bad for you, because it's really not bad. Well, you would, yeah, <laughs> you would hope that they'd still be able to have a connection to these songs that at one point, you know, they had they had a deep connection to, and they, they can still find something there, even if it's not necessarily the same thing that was there when it was written. I would think we're just sick of doing it. Okay, well, you know, okay, that's a, I guess that's legitimate, but it's not very satisfying for your fans, right? <laughs> not that you're looking for something that's satisfying for your fans, but I know what I like when I go to a show. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who likes that. So I just that's a really the only way I judge anything. Like even music that I write, it's like I really don't have any idea what people are going to want as far as that's concerned. But yeah. I know what I want. <laughs> right. you know, live, I see when I go to see a band, I like to see them play lots of their stuff. So I figured that other people will think that too. So that's how we lay out our set. So when you're laying out the set, you're counterbalancing it with like a certain amount of you know older, as as you defined it, you know older than twenty years songs, and you know like quote unquote yeah. the hits, and then whatever new songs are probably most jazzed about. And well, some, some. I mean, hits. It's, that's a hard one for us because it's just such an odd thing. We don't really, you know, we don't, certainly don't have hits. We have people, songs that people like. I mean, I, it, I was implying air quotes when I was saying that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. But uh, um, well, we'll include some of that stuff. Some sometimes I'll ask everybody: Is there any particular songs you guys don't want to play on this run? You know, that we right. played before. Yeah, I don't want to do this one. Okay, fine. You know put it to bed for a while, you know, and bring it back out at some point down the line. Some songs that we wrote on every album, we never intended on playing live. Yeah. It was never an, even an intention. And we've written, I think it's north of, written and recorded, especially with cover songs, I think probably north of 500 songs. So I'm really not going to play, try not to play more than about 70 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, play them all in order. Yeah. <laughs> We did a show with the big business guys where at the time we I, did one song off each record. It was way too long. Yeah. <laughs> that was way too long. I was going to bring yeah. up the fact that you, when you did the the album tours where you um, you, you played like the, like, like Houdini, was it Houdini and Bullhead or? Um, yeah, uh, Houdini, Bullhead, um, Lysol, Eggnog, and Stoner Witch. Yeah. And, and those are great. And it was cool because. You know, I've seen you guys play quite a bit, but as some of those yeah. songs I've never seen you play live because I don't think they ever were imagined for playing live. No, we had to figure out a way to do it. And, and that's a cool challenge, right? I mean, or I yeah, guess yeah, I should say, fun. was that a cool challenge? <laughs> yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was a good thing. It was a good thing to do. I mean, we knew we wanted to do that. And um, so uh, um, then you're like, okay, how do we do this? Well, since we're not that precious about it, then we can just uh, um, figure out a way to do it. So uh, a lot of those you just consider them, like if I was going to do a cover of a song by another band, yeah. how would I do it? I wouldn't necessarily do it exactly like they did. And and I don't really mind that anyway. Oh, we don't do it exactly like it is in the record. Well, you know, honestly, I don't think people, uh, when they're sitting in front of their stereo, imagine they're at a live show. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And like a song like Pearl Bomb, which, you know, is sort of, sort of built around this... this uh, almost entirely unreplicatable live <laughs> sound. What you did is you made it like a song as if it was, it was just, 
here's a straight up like rock and roll song version of it. And it worked because like it was a well-composed song. Uh, but obviously it doesn't sound exactly like the recording, which I'm sure you weren't even referencing anyway. So I think that's, is that the one with the CD skipping in it? I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember. I think it is. Oh God, I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty, <laughs> I don't listen to our records. I was, I was going to say this, when I say stuff like this, this is when I get emails. No one, otherwise I never hear from anyone, but anytime I'm like, well, actually it's, you know, um, it's this record and this is the, okay, fucking fine. But, um, I mean, I, a lot of it, I can't even remember what the song order is on the records. Right. Well, and, and stuff on. changes when you play live, too, right? I mean, it always changes. We'll hear something later. I'll, I'll, I will hear something off the record and go, wow, we're, we're playing that totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not because it's how it you play this it. Way. Oh, man, I forgot all about that part. <laughs> right, exactly. Oops. You know, but I, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't let stuff, we roll with stuff like that. We don't really care. I mean, you know, people... I don't think people mind that. If they do, they should just lighten up. I think there's a certain type of fan that that maybe would potentially have a problem with that. But I think for most people, it's it's still more it's more exciting when there is something that is different from just sitting at home and listening to a record or like listening to Spotify yeah. or whatever the hell people do. But yeah, I don't really care how they listen to music. It's fine with me. Whatever, yeah. whatever makes them happy. Life's hard enough without me bitching at them about how they listen to music. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, you have to listen this way. This, only on wax cylinder. You must listen to analog. You know? <laughs> That's it. Otherwise, you're an idiot. It's like, well, aren't you? Shouldn't you just be lucky they're listening to your stupid crap and all? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh no, yes, I am. It has to be. I am happy. I am happy. There's anyone listening to my music at all. If I'm going to get into the the semantics of how they're doing it. It's just like, you know, you really have too much time in your hands if you're going to go that far. The eight track is definitely the definitive way to listen to the Melvin stuff. You know, if people wanted to hear eight tracks, we would make eight tracks. <laughs> you made that limited edition one at like Slim's, uh, which I thought was hilarious. I think that was a bootleg. Was it? Oh, <laughs> but I yes, thought it was. Th- that's always my example when people get uh, very uh, didactically um, obsessed with format. That's it, like you know. At one point, the eight track was considered like to be like, oh, this is the this is the way you should be listening to it. It's like, really? Is it? Is it really? Okay. I don't know. At the time, you know, it was convenient for people, and p- the idea that you could bring that stuff into your car with you and it would sound relatively good, I guess, um, seemed cool to people. And then the cassette came, then the CD came, you know, and then, then we, yeah. <laughs> we have music players. It's, I, mm-hmm. I yeah. But That's I think all fine. It, I don't care. It, it's interesting. I personally like CDs. So right, right. It, it's interesting that you're not uh, format obsessive because I kind of feel like it's the same not way with what you guys play on, like with 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 your gear. It's sort of like best sound, best thing wins rather than being like, oh, I've always done it this way. And I'm just going to keep using this guitar or this amp or whatever. Nah, I prefer brand new equipment personally. I'm not a vintage guy. Um, I think people that get caught up, oh, this sounds better, blah, blah, blah. No, you're just a shitty guitar player, because if you give that new guitar to a real guy that's really good, <laughs> he's still going to bone you, you know? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're wrong. You're just wrong. Oh, yeah, Hendrix couldn't have sounded good on a brand new Stratocaster from today. No. Oh, no, no, it, it would have been horrible. He couldn't have played it. It would have been just god-awful. That's, that's insanity. Yeah. It's the Indian, not the Arrow. <laughs> well, and we, and we, mm-hmm. we, you know, you and I have talked about that in the past about people getting obsessed with, oh, I liked it better when you played, you know, we played the Les Paul instead of these the electrical guitar company guitars, and like, well, really, because that was actually a Telly that was on that record, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The best is uh, the best people say about Stoner Witch. You're Les Paul and Stoner Witch, and I have said, like I've told that story. I go, well, Revolve is actually a Jackson and a Mustang. <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> a Jackson that the engineer had, and the Mustang is an overdub. I think we played the solo on a Stratocaster. <laughs> There's no Les Paul on it. You know, so people, I don't know, they get weird ideas. I mean, I... I use so many different guitars even now, especially in the studio. Yeah. I have no idea what guitar was on what song. I have no idea. Well, I, and that's you know? something that... I remember that one in particular because at that point I didn't have a lot of guitars. Right. And um, um, so I remember how we did it because I was really impressed with what a great overdub double the uh, um, Mustang was along with the Jackson. It was really great. And that's, and I think you bring up an important point that using different instruments uh, and pairing them with each other can create kind of like new and unique sort of sounds that, that Oh my God. Sound if you just take awesome. the exact same setup that you're using, like don't change a thing on the amp or the, or the effects boxes and you just swap guitars, it, it makes a huge difference, you know, huge difference. Yeah, and, and that, I, I think that that's something that's something that I didn't really didn't consider too much until uh, you know starting to work with Toshi personally. I was like, oh yeah, if you just use a different guitar on this, like that actually changes something about the song oh, yeah. to make it sound cool. That's awesome. Yeah, just yeah, do 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 this now. Double it with a other different guitar or or whatever. You know, I use them all the time. I use fuck, I don't know how many. We always set up about eight or nine guitars ready to go right. at any given time when we're recording. And then we just, I just go, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try this um, SG, you know, with P90 pickups in it. Reissue Pete Townsend, 1969, you know, brand new. You know? Yeah. I'm going to try this, see how it works. I'm going to try this brand new Firebird, you know. Oh, have, you don't you know? use one that's vintage? <laughs> no, I don't have any vintage. I, have, I, I had a few vintage guitars, I sold them all. Yeah, know? exactly, they're paying the ass. <laughs> I got a couple, well, I just never play them. Yeah. I had a, 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 a Silvertone. That was really nice, and then I got I got a brand new Dan Electro copy of a Silvertone, and it plays way better. <laughs> the Dan Electro is better. Yeah, I mean that's what counts, right? What plays better? I mean, it, it really. Uh, I've never played that. That one just sat in its case for years. I mean, I think it really is fucking thing. I don't care about it. I just don't care about it. <laughs> you know, honestly, me and Dale have gotten to the point now where we're like, you know, we could walk into any studio with whatever gear was there and somehow make it work. Yeah, and, and you it know, would, guitars, basses, drums. We can make it. We can make it work. And it would sound like you guys because again, it sound like us because it's us. It's, it's you guys. It's not the gear. People get gear obsessed, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, you have this amazing setup, and but you you still write crap music, and I don't really like the way you play guitar, so I don't really care what you're playing. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got a great tone. Too bad about the music. <laughs> it's a great tone. I I suppose if what you want is super generic sounding stuff that you could get off an app. On band, on on a uh, garage garage band, you know. Oh <laughs> yeah, band. yeah, absolutely. Like, like it's it's so I funny. I don't really care about any of that, you know. The, the people. I want to walk on stage about. and have a completely different setup than anybody else in the whole world. You know, guitar this guitar through this stuff into this amp through these speaker cabinets, and I know no one else is doing it. That I really like, and I'm making it work. You know, it's my own thing. I like that. I like working with the electrical guitar company because I'm talking to the guys that are making it. Yeah, I love it. I like playing with with the Hillbish amps and and the pedals that he's designed for us because I'm call him up, I talk to him. Yeah, it's just like I don't have a manager. I, why you know I don't send a manager out to talk to these. Guys. I don't have a manager. I, I talk to, I talk to the booking agents. I talk to the you know whoever it is. It's just me, and so. Um, I really like that homespun thing where you're talking to these guys and, you know, I talked to the guy, I use these uh, um, cabinets from England, um, 
and the guy I talked to the guy that built them. You know, and I was like, I love these cabinets; they're great. You know, well, it's the same sort of thing. Bare cabinets, and he can't. He can't, brought them to the show. I bought them on the spot. Right. It's like, yeah, I'll take these. Fuck yeah, I want to buy two more and have them shipped to the U.S. You know, so it's just I really like that. I couldn't I couldn't be more mom and pop, even though I don't really care about that sort of thing as far as like, you know, oh well we gotta protect mom and pop. No, mom and pop can protect themselves. And the way they do that is the way these guys are doing Making it, cool which stuff. is being very cool, being you know, cool guys. But the guy like electrical that's how they protect their business because they're offering a service that no one else is is offering you. You know, Gibson certainly never offered I think Gibson would tell let me redesign a Les Paul for my own <laughs> Oh, yeah. Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> you know, they, they just stare at me as if I was from Mars. Did you just beam down from another galaxy? What yeah. are you talking about? You think? <laughs> nobody, nobody would ever do. You buy whatever crap they're building. That's it. That's fine with me. But, you know, with these guys, I can call them up and go, you know, I'd really like it if it had this kind of pickup in it or that kind of pickup in it or maybe you could do this or that. Let's try anodized, you know, whatever. Okay. And, and with a guy like Kevin, you know, you're going to wait for that stuff. I've put in yeah. orders for guitars that I waited the better part of two years for. People go, you got yours overnight. No, I ordered it two fucking yeah, years Yeah, you thought now. ahead. As it, as it <laughs> you turns didn't out. make it for me in two weeks, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think I think, I think mine was uh, about two and a half years, and I you know, I, I just yeah. planned for it, and it was, it was completely worth it, 100% worth the wait. Best purchase I ever made. Period. I think so. I mean, you know, you're not, you can't walk down to Guitar Center and find one of those things. Yeah. It's like you're buying a piece of art. Totally, and and that's kind of harkens back to what we were talking about earlier with the physical media and like the sort of art piece piece of it is that just like with the records and like the screen printed covers and everything along those lines, a nice thing about going with a company like Electrical Guitar Company and Hillbish and stuff like that is you know that there's like somebody that's like touching every part of it. It's not just some you know inform formalized uh, machine yeah. process that you know nobody really gives a crap and like quality controls low and you know maybe it works maybe it doesn't you have maybe but touch. i'm sure you know you go buy a top of the line les paul it's gonna be fine you know? sure, sure 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 if sure. that's what you want if that's what you want i don't have any problem with those i can make those work if you gave me a les paul right now and said you got to play a live show sure i could do it yeah no problem that's right up my alley my electrical guitars that i play live are set up like les paul's they even have les paul pickups in them but it is nice to have that yeah. responsive element yeah with, with the actual I creator agree. too and that's I love you're it. I love to talk to them, and you know, talk to the guys, talk to them. And like with Hillbish, it's like I had this uh, distortion box that I really liked, and and we basically hot rotted it. Yep, I know it well. And added uh, a mid sweep to it, and you know, so which wasn't in it before. Yep. And um, and so then when I got them back and I a beat them, I go, okay, this is like, this is like this pedal except times ten. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know and, what I mean? and that was the one thing that that pedal always lacked was a was a mid control, and and I actually used that same original one for years. And oh, me too. And, and like no one else used it for guitar. That's the thing. No, 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 <laughs> just me. <laughs> well, I did too, but yeah, but I you know what I mean. I mean, I mean there was the only other person in the world. Yeah, nobody. People are like, well, you use that on guitar? That's not what that's for. It's like, well, it sounds good. I know. Oh, yeah, don't say what it is. I don't want anybody to know. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> yeah. But and yeah, then, uh, then the compressor. I, I think I saw you doing a demo with the compressor. That thing is fucking awesome. It's awesome. It's great and it's easy to use. In fact, I have. Um, yeah. I have the whole. I, I have both of those right next to me right now. Uh, the, yeah, yeah. The, Love it. The T fuzz is actually on my board, so that's not here. But but it's great, yeah. and I think a lot of people completely misunderstand what compression is. Oh yeah. 
uh, but oh, yeah. it's incredibly effective. Like, it's wonderful. Oh, my God. It makes the guitar play like melted butter. Yeah. It, like, makes everything better. Like, there's this, there's this idea, I think, that, oh, it has to be, like, you know, more distorted and more... Uh, and it's like, well, okay, that's cool, but, like, what you think is happening is not happening. Like, it's not getting more present. It's actually getting less present. <laughs> well, it's sort of like... cool, when I, but... when I click that baby on, it's like turning on the afterburner. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, you're like, okay, there we go. Now we're, now we're getting somewhere. If I play solos with it, oh, my God, it's just like night and day. Yeah. If I have it on, I'll have it on for whole songs. I turn it on and off um, for whole songs. Because, you know, if you're trying to do something quiet, it it's doesn't really work because it adds too much noise. Yeah. You know, but loud stuff, oh, my God. You want to yeah. kick it into overdrive? Hit that fucking thing. Yeah, if there's other things going yeah. on, and that was probably the hardest thing about making that demo is that, uh, y- you know, when you're doing it just on the guitar and had to keep giving, like, you know, like, if this sounds totally different with a band because you're going to get a higher no- uh, noise floor when it's just on its own, but when you're with other instruments, oh my God. it's night and day. Yeah, yeah. Plus, you know, I have a, a there's a big part of me that has a, you know, uh, a throbbing gristle approach to guitar mm-hmm. that... That I think is lost on a lot of people. No, no, this I'm really into actually into that. So yeah, <laughs> you know, like, letting it do what it wants and you know screaming loud feedback and all that stuff is part of my whole thing. I love it, but that, pre- that I think the compressor is the most underrated pedal that there is. I, I've used uh, just the MXR one for years and years and years. Oh sure, yeah, and then and I was I, I always had a comp- I loved it for fuck I don't know how long twenty plus years probably. I always used it in conjunction. Put it in line after the uh, distortion box. You can you can move it around and see where you like it. That's kind of where I like mine, and I like having a delay at the end. Yeah, in, in end of the chain. Um, uh, I, um, and uh, um, it is just I just think it's the most underrated effect. It's a, the most lost, underrated, underappreciated effect out there. It's like the Rodney Dangerfield of effects pedals. Yeah, yeah, no respect. Respect. yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, and we learned that lesson a long, long, long time ago in the studio, and it's just like, oh, my God, you put compression on the drum mix? It just sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. You know, just like, where'd that come? That's how the Beatles did that. Got it, you know? Well, yeah, and a lot of times when, when people uh, talk about vinyl and, oh, vinyl's so much better for rock music, it's like, well, it's actually worse because you're getting compression, especially with the drums, that sounds has associations with being more like what you think of as rock music, but what you're actually getting is a is a more imperfect file than if you were listening to like you know a lossless digital or CD or something along those lines, and that's then that's what you're actually thinking sounds better. In fact, it actually sounds worse. But well, you know they hear compression or they hear they hear warmth, and, and what they're really hearing is compression. Yeah. Now you'll have people argue that all day long. I was like, I don't I don't give a shit. I don't care if you have a really good stereo. And you have good speakers that aren't hooked up out of phase. <laughs> That's important. Yes. Yeah, and you have a, a decent, you know, a decent setup, and you put on a record, it sounds fine. And that's what yanks your crank. Fine with me. You know, it sounds perfectly good. I would, you know, I, I grew up listening to records. I loved it. It was fine with me. But you know, there really is no arguing about it. People go, "Well, it's not real." It's, well, what do you think of you know? What do you think vinyl is? <laughs> You know, you think that's real? <laughs> right. Okay. Well, it's just numbers. Ones and zeros. I don't give a shit yeah. <laughs> about any of that. You know, do you, th- do you imagine there was no crappy sounding records made before digital? Yeah, Are you joking? Yeah, I was going to say, I guarantee you there were. <laughs> yeah. It's, fucking, it's crazy. I just can't waste my time 
on that. I just can't. It just doesn't bother me. I, I listen to, you know, like my iPod for convenience. But when I'm home and I want to hear something, I listen to CDs. Right. I like, I just, I, if I want something to keep it, then I I'll buy the CD. If it's available, that's what I'll buy. It's a great deal for what you, what you yeah. pay for them. It's a really good deal. So then we've tried in our world, because we always love CDs, to take CDs and, and soup them up with cool, you know, cover art and uh, letterpress stuff and, you know, and see if people appreciate it. I mean, you know, most people in the world will just walk by that stuff and not give a shit at all. But for the people that appreciate it, it's it's a really it's a really cool thing. There so, is still a market for it too. I mean, it's there are some. They're yeah. not vocal, <laughs> but yeah. they're definitely there are people that still listen predominantly to CDs, and they always are appreciative when there is a CD option. And I think that's something that people tend to you know like the the vinyl fetishism, <laughs> as this conversation goes anyway, uh, is definitely loud and very present in the conversation, but nobody's like advocating for CDs right now. It's like considered, you know, like a dead medium, but it's not, it's not a dead medium at all. Well, you know, maybe it'll go the way of the, the Dodo bird. I have no idea, but it's cheap. And I don't understand how people, smaller bands can even afford to make vinyl. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's, it's not, it's not cheap for sure. No, it's super expensive. I mean, when I was starting out, I couldn't have afforded that. There's no way. You know, no, no chance that I could have afforded that to, to put out a record. But now CDs are really cheap. I don't understand why people both, especially, maybe smaller bands are doing that. I don't know. But uh, I see it. I see it. Some, take full advantage of it. I see a lot of cassette with download codes, too, which is. Cassette. Yeah, which is like, really? Oh, my okay. God. <laughs> <laughs> I lived through when cassettes were there. Cassettes were the MP3s of the 70s. You know? Right. <laughs> You know, yeah, you know they sound crappy, but you can put stuff on it and take it with you. Yeah, exactly. It's, the portability that was, was it. everything. That was the... Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. If you really want shit sound quality, then you can put it on cassette. It's great. Make sure to keep a pencil handy for when the tape gets caught on the... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's always some problem with everything, but... You know, whatever. I still have the first two CDs I ever bought, and they uh, still sound fine. That was in the mid-80s. Do you remember what they are? That was pretty good. Yeah, Sex Pistols and... Uh, and uh, Funhouse. Nice. Not bad. No, it was the first <laughs> two I bought. And uh, um, and uh, what really did it for us was when uh, we put out our first album, Glee Port Treatments, there was no CDs. So it was just, it was just vinyl. Right, yes. And so when we finally put that onto a CD and me and Dale listened to it for the first time, we're like, That's the, this is how it sounded in the studio. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not listening to all the imperfections that you get through vinyl like the cracking and popping and all the shit that you have to deal with. i just grown used to that. Yeah. <coughs> the imperfection is as like part of the overall thing. You just, it, you know, it's like when I heard a um, whole lot of love for the first time on CD, I was like, I was so used to listening to, and it just starts at the guitar at the beginning. Yeah. Listening to the static electricity and all that crap as it comes on. Yeah. When I heard it on CD, I was like, oh, my God, this is how they heard it in the studio. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my God, because I had burned, or not burned, but recorded cassettes of it. I suppose I could have bought cassettes, but I never did that. The first time I heard it, you know, without that stuff on a CD, I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. So, like, with our first album, we were like, heard it, we're like, oh, my God. And you could hear stuff on there that you could not, absolutely not hear on the vinyl. No doubt about it. It's true. So we were we were floored. We were just like, oh my god! I, last time I heard it like this was in the, in the fucking when we recorded it, the fucking recording studio. You know? Yeah. 
that was cool. So anyway, I, like I said, though, I don't honestly. I really we make vinyl. I don't listen to records. Um, so uh, I'm cool if people want to do that, but um, you know, it's not a big not a big concern of mine. We'll make still make the cool art and all that kind of stuff for it. But we would make cool art for any format. We would try. You know, if we were gonna do if we were gonna do a cassette release, I would try to do. If we had yeah, make it, charge make it worth art on it, time. I would try to do something special. Or sure. who knows? Any, any, it doesn't really matter to me. It really doesn't matter to me. People, if people enjoy listening to that stuff, or if they just want to hear a download, I, I just don't care. I'm just really happy and appreciative that there's anybody out there that listens to our stuff, and, and I don't care how they do it. I think that really is the music is really the most important thing. Yeah. As long as they're listening to that, the rest of it is just immaterial, and I just feel like you know. All my hard work is is not for nothing. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and you never that's know how it's... Fine I sp- with me. You know, I, fine I, with me. And I think that's a, that's a very evolved way of looking at it, I think, because uh, if you get caught up in all the other stuff, I think it's just a recipe for unhappiness, really, and it, it's irrelevant to the to the movement of the thing. And, uh, you know, yeah, it has nothing to do with music, that's for sure. Yeah. You're talking about something that has <laughs> nothing to do with music at all. You know, you, know, you mentioned... So. Funhouse on CD, and this has come up for some reason in the last like four episodes or so. The Stooges have come up. I know you're a big uh, Rob Power fan, also. Do you have a? Oh sure, I like all those records. In the in the great, it seems like there's a divide between people that favor Funhouse over Rob Power and Rob Power over Funhouse. Do you have a preference between those two? Well, if I had to pick, I'd pick Funhouse. I think it sounds a little better, but I really like Rob Power. I think yeah. it's fucking awesome. I mean, they're both. I think Love they're it. both like you know, in the pantheon of rock and roll records, like two of the best rock and roll records ever made. Well, me and Mark Arm both said we want Death Trip played at our funerals. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's on. That's on Rob Power. You know. <laughs> yes, it is. Death Trip. That's it. <laughs> Fine. Enough said. Yeah. Uh, talk to me. You know, I realize we, we haven't really talked about this. When you are when you're writing songs, you have a tendency to. Well, first of all, you, are you still using that that Buck Owens acoustic? That you the what the, the Buck Owens acoustic? I play that sometimes at home. You know, beautiful guitar, by the way. Yeah, that was actually my wife. When I got married, I kind of inherited it. It was good. Uh, so when you're when you're writing songs, it isn't like you're necessarily writing all the songs specifically for whatever the thing is. Uh, you have a tendency to kind of bank things, right? Like you'll you'll write something, and then you know if you're not using it right then, like it kind of gets put on ice for a while. You pull it back out. Uh, oh yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about that process? Well, I write song every time I touch a guitar, if, unless I'm practicing. I, I uh, I'm writing songs. I'm playing something, trying to think of something to write. And that's pretty much every single day when I'm home. You know, so people go, oh, when you're off work. I'm really never off work. I'll take a few days where I might not play guitar. But by and large, I have a guitar in my hand every, every single day. I have them all over my house. So I just walk around just playing guitar, whatever they are, um, whether it's acoustic or electric. Um, and then um, if I come up with something, just wandering around the house with a guitar on, then I'll record it on my phone, mm. just a riff. That's what I do now. And then I have literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those. Hundreds. Right. And so a lot of times I'll know there's something good about this. I just can't figure it out right now. And so it'll sit there. And so that was always really funny. I've talked about this before where uh, people will go, I liked your Stoner Witch record. I don't know if I like your old, newer stuff. And I go, well, you know, a lot of that stuff that's on our new album I wrote. <laughs> wrote when I was writing time, all the Stoner yeah. Witch stuff. <laughs> 
So it's new to you, and you imagine that I wrote it all at the same time. You know, this new record is all stuff new that I wrote, but and this is really not the case at all. It never has been the case. It never is the case. Some of the stuff that comes out could be decades old. It could be 10 months old. It could be, you know, you know, just I just wrote it. Some of the stuff is new, but certainly by no means all of it. And we'll have stuff that's kicked around since... For 15 years, riffs that me and Dale have been playing on, you know, trying to figure out what to do, and then finally it works, and you've put it on a record. But you can't really force that kind of thing. I don't know how it works. It's sort of like I described it as panning for gold, you know. It's like you dig through a mountain of shit to find these little tiny treasures. That's it. And I, I don't, without that process, I can't move forward at all. I have to just get through it. A lot of the stuff is never going to see the light of day. You know, but I could just go through all that stuff and have tons and tons of material just for new songs. For I probably would never have to write another riff, probably, but I will. Well, and how do you catalog that stuff? Like, do you have just do you have like your own system for remembering what is what, or is it just like a happy accident when you go through it? Yes, I'll just go back through it at some point. I do have a wide variety of things. I'll dump them on a CD, or I'll, I used to have them on cassettes on a on a um, four track cassettes, but I got rid of all that stuff and. Um, then I'll just go through them and figure out, mm, maybe you can do something with that now, next, next, next. I don't know why I like that. Next, next, next. Okay, that one's pretty good. Let me see if I can do something with that. Nah, it's not happening. That's how it works. You know, if I'm getting ready to write some songs or if I'm having trouble trying to come up with material, then I'll go back through my catalog of stuff and listen, maybe, and then maybe work on that. But um, now it's so great because used to, I would never write songs unless I had a way to record the riff because I could never remember. Our stuff is, you know, it's relatively difficult to remember, especially the nuances and the weird timings. And so I could never, I wanted to make sure I could get it exactly how I remember I wrote it that day. And so unless I had a way to record it, I would never, ever write songs. I would only just play stuff I already knew. But now I have my phone. I can just do it. I've been doing that for a long time, you know. So are That's you using, with me. I just, like, GarageBand or, like, voice memos? Like No, I just do voice memo. Okay. Yeah. Just for a demo of a riff. And I'll go in and uh, um, take it to practice, listen to it, and, and then jam it with the guys, maybe come up with a couple other parts that are inspired by that riff, try to figure out what we're going to do. Maybe we'll talk it over a little bit, but what's cool about it, how we can make it not step on the vocal part, how we make the other instruments, you know, not show them where the vocals might be, how we would, uh, you know, not undermine that or have too much busy shit going on. When you have, you know, there's just a whole lot, a whole lot of things you do when you're doing that. You don't want everything, everybody running. You know, you don't want the Fourth of July at all times. Work. <laughs> right, like the yeah. the fireworks, tough day at the fireworks yeah. factory explosion. The, uh, no, and then sometimes I'll have a whole idea for a song that come up really easy and just bring it in. Like I remember I wrote "Revolve" that song, the Stonewitch record. I was at a hotel out by the San Francisco Zoo, just sitting on the side of the bed playing guitar, and came up with that whole fucking song except wow. for the very ending riff which me and Mark wrote, you know, just like in 10 minutes, you know, all of it. I don't and know There's why. a lot of parts in that song too. Like it's, there's a lot of like yeah. weird transitions. You know, there's, two, there's two main parts. There's a descending riff yeah. that bridges the stuff between. And then the other part, once I came up with that tricky little riff at the very beginning of the song, that's how that, I just was dicking around and came up with that. I go, wow, that's cool. And then I just kind of just built it off of that. Well, then really that... quickly. It was like maybe 15 minutes. Right. And then, I, and then I, go, I got it up to here, and Mark came back. We were rooming together. He came back from somewhere, and I showed him the riff. 
and then he uh, uh, we started he started we started jamming, and then we came up with the ending that da 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 na 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 na, and then we came up with that the ending like in ten minutes, maybe maybe so maybe the whole thing took twenty five minutes max, you know. But that doesn't always happen. Yeah, exactly. Some sometimes it's. And we knew I knew I thought this is great. I really love this. This is really going to be really cool. And we arranged it everything right there. You know, we had it done. So when we played it for Dale, we had the whole song. Right. Well, you know, that was really easy. That went easy. Not not a lot of the other ones. That rarely happens. You know, I, I was going to say, there, there's, a, there's a quote, I can't remember who it's by, but it's basically like, sometimes it's like a lightning strike, and often it's like the sausage factory. Yeah, exactly. It's grinding away. I don't mind the process, though. I like it. Especially the second I come up with something I really like. I'm like, oh, my God, that's cool. That's cool. Okay, okay, okay. Let me, let me just work on that. that. That's good. Then I just get obsessed with it, and that's when the hours go by like minutes. You know? So have you ever came up with something or bank something and then you listen back to it like, Oh, that's cool. And then like not been able to, to find where you're at with it or like get it to all the, time. the same way. So what do you do? I'll know co- something's good about it. I just don't have it right there. Right. So do you just so wait like on it and come back to it? Then is that the, is that I'll thing? always come back to it and see, you know, we might think of something like there was a song we did on the, uh, God, which record is it on? I can't remember. Um, uh, new boots. A song called uh, "Suicide in Progress." Mm, oh yeah. Well, I had been I had been playing that main riff for a long, long time since early, probably the late late nineties. You know, when Kevin was in the band, because he never figured out a way to do it. We had almost the whole song, um, and then I then I realized that uh, um, me and Dale carefully worked out that whole intro, and I didn't know what to do with it after that. And then I finally wrote the vocal part years and years later. You know, so we had that whole beginning part, and we showed that to the uh, big business guys. They were like, Jesus Christ, that's fucking crazy, complicated, and insane drum part. Right. Um, and But he was able to do it. So we had this really cool double drum part on that. And, but that was, you know, not a brand new thing at all. <laughs> I wrote it, I think, right after I did Stag, I think. No? So, and it took, it took, it took until, it took until new, new, my dogs are going crazy. I think there's a polar bear outside. <laughs> it's it's the uh, it's the quarantine it. times. Watch out, the zombie hordes are coming. Watson crawling through the window with a knife in his teeth. You know, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> Tick the dogs on him. Um, but uh, uh, unleash the hounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, go ahead. Oh, oh no, I was just going to say. So uh, it was, it was obviously something something's happened quicker. Something's like take a while, but it's it it seems like. It requires a good amount of just like knowing what's good and being okay with yeah, the fact that something's not happening right at that moment in time. Yeah, and, and so, waiting for it. Yeah, letting the light, letting the lightning strike. Yeah. I can only get there from just you know jamming through stuff. If I can't get anywhere, then I'll just go to practice. I'll just just practice my guitar, you know. And the way I practice stuff is like learning exceedingly difficult songs by other bands. Just for practice to see if I can do it, that kind of thing. Yeah, man. You like know? Halo of Flies. I've, I'm always impressed yeah, when that, you guys busted that example. one. Because I just one... learned that on my own, you know? Because <laughs> that one's like, there's, there's so much to it. And I always, I always love that That's too. Crazy. But when I, when I, I think I saw you guys, I, I heard you, well, I heard you, uh, I think I heard the recording first before I heard you play it. But I was like, oh, man, bold move. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I don't know. What have I worked on lately? Um, I think I'm trying to do the uh, oh the wanton song by uh, Zeppelin, you know. 
Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a fun one. Yeah. I think I'm going to tackle uh, Achilles' Last Stand next. <laughs> nice. I was actually just listening to that the other day. I was, I, I was like, oh, man, why don't oh, I, I, love that. But why don't I listen to this more? That's the kind of stuff more? I'll do just to practice, you yeah. know, to sit there with the song, play it over and over, and to see, you know, see if I can come, come get some idea of how, you know, make it work. Uh, just for, it's just for my own amusement. Just for fun. You know, try to pick an easy or a hard one. It's got a lot of parts to it, see if you can dig through the whole thing. I've done that with a gang of four, done it with, you know, where you just dig through the song, try to figure it out. Sometimes it doesn't work. Hendrix, everybody, just just, uh, just for fun and, and practice. It's good practice. It gets you in a mindset that you're not normally in guitar-wise. Yeah. Like, you know. The, the gang of four stuff, it, it actually surprised me as much as I, I fucking adore Andy Gill as a guitar player, like how much of that's all right hand. It's all just. Oh, know. my God. It's great. It's it's they're one of my favorites, especially the uh, Solid Gold record. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... That was a huge, huge influence on us as far back as you know our first album, especially on Ozma. That's definitely one nobody's ever thought of. Uh, but, I can hear it, like Anthrax and stuff. I mean, that's you know, like... we were, yeah, we were the second. The Solid Gold record is the one that really got us. The song Paralyzed. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah, that's great like, That's really it. And then we were super, always, always been super influenced by the Flowers of Romance, by Public Image, massively. You know? Yeah, that's, a, that's another great one. So is, is there any, are there any ones that like no one's latched on to that, I, well, I know you're a big Gun Club fan. Gun Club is Yeah, exactly we awesome love one. that stuff. Um, Birthday we did, Party. Uh, we did a record called Everybody Loves Sausages. That's yeah, all oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rap- about that. Bands what? that um, we felt were influences that maybe people hadn't thought of, like Bowie and, Scientists, you know, stuff like that. Dobbin Gristle. Yeah. Uh, Kinks. Hey, listen, I have about one more minute. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say, we, we, need, we need to wrap it up. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't notice the time. Sorry about that. Uh, no, I, I have to actually, have something I have to do. So, so uh, great, great talking as always. Yeah, uh, thank you. I la- appreciate your time. Last question. Um, why do you yep. do what you do? Uh, well, you know, at this point, I'm a professional musician. I've been making my living playing music since 1988. I could not be more happy about that. I play with two of the best musicians on earth, I think, and they make make me better. And um, I wake up every single day. Can't I can't wait to do that stuff. I spend seventy percent of my waking hours involved in somehow um, deciding or music in one way or another, whether it's a business of it or whether it's playing it. And it's what I'm. You know, it's what I do. I've been doing it since nineteen eighty eight. I can't imagine it any other way. And I have to go back to a Bob Dylan quote, which is, uh, they ask him, you know, you're in your 70s. You're in your 70s. Why are you still touring? Why are you still doing this? He goes, because that's the deal I made. Nice. <laughs> that's it. No. Love it. Uh, Buzz, the thanks. The deal I made. So anyway, thanks a lot. And thanks I so will, much, uh, man. I will talk to you later. All right. Talk to you later, brother. Okay, bye.
Progress by the Melvins there, followed by I Flies by the Melvins, taking it way back. And then after that, we had Science in Modern America off of the brand new record. The brand new one, the acoustic record that we were, we were talking about there. That um, Gift of Sacrifice. It's out on May 15th. So uh, you can pre-order the CD. It's black vinyl, limited edition. All that stuff we talked about. Yeah, good times. Buzz Osborne, baby. Yeah. Always interesting hearing from that guy. All things Melvins. Uh, Can you hear me now? Or on the internet. (laughs) Type in the word the Melvins and you'll. Words the Melvins. You'll find them um, melvins.themelvins.net, I believe is the, uh, it's, it's it's a fan run site, and it's very informational. There's a, there's a Facebook group, uh, they're on Twitter, Instagram, all the things, all the normal things that bands are on. Oh, you figured it out. Jesus. Cool. Name of this show is Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal. It happens Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, 5 p.m. Pacific on Radio Nope, RadioNope.com. Say yes to Nope. As we come to the close of our broadcast day. Archives at RadioNeutron.com. Find the show on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, all the places you find your podcasts. My farewell transmission. Rate and review to help people find the show if you don't mind share it around signing off Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea it's always great doing this the sound of my voice. there's a bunch of cool stuff coming up stay tuned subscribe all that stuff helps I've got 50,000 watts of power do I have anything to add? Hmm. I wanna ionize the air. Probably not. You don't want it to be the 4th of July at all times. <laughs> this microphone turns sound into electricity. Eminently quotable that day. Can you hear me now? Don't keep the show a secret. Out on. 128 in the dark and lonely. Take it easy.
got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the, it's the end of radio. The last announcer plays the last record. The last what? Leaves the transmitter. Circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now? if there's no one there to receive. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day, 
radio. Can you hear me now? Hey, hey!